Yeah, man. It's the end of the Premier League season. It is indeed, the, man. Uh, we finally come to an end. It's, uh, it's sad. I don't actually know what I'm going to do on my weekends now. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because even uh, Saturday, I kind of traditionally wake up, um, do bits around the house and then the first thing I do is look for football. Like, who's playing today? Let's get it on TV. Let's get the beers in. But even this week, having no football on a Saturday was like a teaser as for what's to come over the next few weeks. No football at the weekend. It's going to be tragic. Yeah, I don't really like it. It's a little bit off-putting. Yeah, but, I hear you. you know, but, you know, we've still, got, we've still got like a couple of the European finals to look forward to and the FA Cup final and the playoffs. So it's not, it's not gone completely. I think it's just that routinely fixture list. Yeah, exactly that. Um, before we get into this, I do want to quickly shout out. Um, this morning, I, went, I woke up really early and went to see Beatty's win in an amazing cup final. If I'm completely honest, I don't know what the cup is. And for those who don't know, Beatty's is a, is a YouTube football team. So they, they're a Sunday league team and they play all their games and put out content on YouTube with highlights of the games, etc. And yeah, they made it to a cup final. I arrived a little bit late. So they were 2-1 down by the time I arrived. In the second half, they went down to 4-1 down and ended up winning the game 5-4. So shout out Beatty's on an amazing comeback. Ah, congratulations, lads. Congratulations. So where do we start, Dan? It's been an incredible week of football, as well as weekend. Yeah. Well, well, how about how about we start start from the Champions League? Yeah, we can do that. It's sort of it's it's the first it's the first you know exciting thing that happened this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can sort of I can sort of start on a high and then end on a low type job. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, man, I remember in the last podcast, we completely, towards the end of the podcast, we completely disregarded Liverpool's chances. I think we both pretty much said, there's no coming back from 3-0. And what happened? It, it was incredible. It, it really was incredible. And I sort of, so I... I was watching the highlights only a couple of days ago, sort of just, you know, reliving the moment. Yeah. And I tell you what was, I kind of took for granted the fact that that we beat Barcelona 4-0. And that sounds really stupid, but like all I took from it was that we went through and that we're in the Champions League final. Mm -hmm. I never thought about the fact that we actually went and beat Barcelona 4-0. Yeah. Like, when is the last time Barcelona have been beaten that bad? Like, and I think it's just a massive testament to the team and sort of, and, and to do it without Firmino and Salah, which I think makes up something stupid like 42 goals mm-hmm. by 42 goals by goals this season. Um, 
I'm not going to lie and stand here and say that I thought we had a chance. I didn't. I thought it would. I thought it would be. Um. Well, I think you know. I thought we'd win. I thought we'd win at Anfield. Yeah. But I never thought that we'd uh, we'd do that. And I sort of like watching the game. It was. It, I think that was one of them games that shows how imperative our fullbacks are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Alexander Arnold. Yes. Yeah. God amongst men. That, that, that genius corner. Mm. Um, it sort of... Just just how... I mean, I, I know Trent can be a bit dodgy at the back and a lot of teams sort of tend to try and go down the right-hand side. Um, you know, his defending might not be as great as it's going to be, bearing in mind he's only 20. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'd change, I don't think I'd exchange Robertson and, uh, and Trent for any other fullback combination in the world. Yeah, I fully agree with you, man. I fully agree. Um, so, um, I think it just brought to light how good they were. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought everyone was incredible on the night, to be honest. And I thought that like, Fringe players really brought, really, really brought them into it. But when it's almost like it's, you know, I've heard that saying about when, when a mother sees their child in danger, then this like extra strength comes from nowhere. Um, and I think that's what happened to the Liverpool players. They had from this heart and desire and this passion, this like extra ability came out of nowhere. Players like ran harder and longer than they normally can because of this heart and desire. Um. But also, Liverpool were clearly excellent in their in their play. But I think a large reason why Liverpool won so much was because Barcelona didn't seem like they really wanted it. For the first time in many years, did I see Barcelona look a bit lost? It's crazy, isn't it? Because as a Champions League final, I think they, I, I think they were under the same sort of thought process as us that they'd already they'd already won it yeah like they just had to go through the motions and I think the problem is is what's happened is is they've gone through that that motion of I mean we're we're going here we just we need to just play our game Mm -hmm. and what's happened what's happened is is I think they've they've then got in too deep and it's then become a process of oh I what are we going to do now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, I think they, like you said, they plan to kind of just hold the ball, pass the ball about, but they did not expect Liverpool to press them like that. And I think it's testament to the, the Premier League as well, because teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, even PSG, then they don't live in leagues where teams really press you and they don't know how to deal with it. The physicality of the Premier League, the physicality of Liverpool on the day, Barcelona could not deal with it whatsoever. The amount of times a defender would get the ball in a position where they'll normally have the time to look around, make a pass. Before they could do that, Jordan Henderson was on your bum. (laughs) Or like, yeah, Sadio Mane was just on you. Milner was just on you. Everyone was just on them and they weren't ready for it. They couldn't handle it. That's it. And I think that that is... Um, I think it's a testament to what confidence brings to you as well. Yeah. Because I think 
I think we had that inner belief. And I think that, you know, it's coming to the end of a long season. They ran hard. Like a lot of teams sort of run out of steam towards the end. We seem to have ran as much as I can remember. Yeah, definitely. I think that confidence, I think is, I, I don't think, we would have seen that if Origi hadn't scored in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, absolutely. That was a momentum. I think, yeah, and that's it. I think because he did, I think everyone had that this kick of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say it was a better comeback than Istanbul? No. Okay, fair enough. That answers my question no, pretty clearly. No. But, well, because the thing is, is, I've heard a lot of people say this is the best comeback, you know, better comeback than this. Problem is, is we've, this comeback has brought us to a, a final. Istanbul won us the won us the trophy. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. Um, I don't believe they can compare. Was the Tottenham comeback better than Istanbul? No. Okay. It was a great comeback, though. <laughs> it was an incredible comeback, <laughs> yeah. and I, I mean, I didn't see it happening. I didn't see it happening. Um, and there was a video circulating on the internet of Ajax fans counting down the seconds until they go through to the final. Wow. And then Tottenham score. And it is just an unbelievable watch. If you want to see heartbreak in a video, that is where it is. Well, I'll tell you a funny story. So I actually, um, I went out on Wednesday night. So I, I didn't watch the game. I kind of thought, again, even though what happened last night, i.e. Barcelona losing to Liverpool, I still thought Ajax, Ajax will take it. I don't think Tottenham have heart like Liverpool do. I think Ajax are going to be okay. I don't need to watch the game. And I was out. And funny story, I met a guy when I was out who was wearing an Ajax shirt. I was like, oh, yeah, your team are playing tonight. Yeah, how come you're out and you're not watching it? He said the same thing, like, yeah, I, I think we'll win. I don't really need to watch the game. I'll just catch the highlights later. I guess, have you seen the score? And at this point, it was... I think 2-1 to Ajax. And he was like, looked at his phone, oh, it's 2-1. Yeah, see, we'll be fine. Next thing you know, it's 2-2. And this guy's panicking now. And I completely forget about the game. I think it's going to finish 2-2. Then I go to McDonald's after this night out and some Tottenham fan is singing his heart out. (laughs) And I'm like, he's pretty happy considering they're knocked out. (laughs) And then, yeah, I realised, epic comeback. Lucas Moura, make a statue. It was incredible, and mm. I've, and again, like it was, it was Fernando Lorente, you know, the player that we've sort of, or that I players. certainly knocked, mm. um, just completely changed the game. He stuck himself on daily blind when he came on at half time, and mm. just made himself a nuisance. Made that physical presence count. Yeah, and to have, and when you have runners running off you like Son and Mora, you're always going to have issues. Yeah, um, it worked a treat. Um, for my my thing with this game is that for some reason Ajax came out a different team in the second half and just set about defending yeah was that a bad idea should they have gone for because I mean they did have a few chances still in the second half they still had chances but they were counter attack chances they Mm. were playing like the away team Mm. and they sort of gave Tottenham the confidence to go forward. And I don't know whether that was their plan to sort of let Tottenham come at them and then counter them. But I didn't think it was. Would you say 
Eric um, Ten Hag got it tactically wrong. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Especially the second half. I thought the first half they were great. Mm-hmm. But the second half, they have... They let Tottenham come on to them. Yep. And they didn't have the potent ability to finish the game off when they had the very few chances that they did in the second half. I see. So... But this... Go on. It, it makes for an incredible final. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to take a moment to, like, kind of acknowledge that the managers in these two finals, because um, clearly Klopp had, you know, the psychological... I've actually forgot the Barcelona manager's name, but, you know, he had the, the psychological beating of him. And equally, Poch... Of Valverde. Valverde, yeah. Equally, Poch had a bit of a, you know, tactical um, win over Eric Ten Hag. So... Yeah, I think with managers like Poch, like Klopp, the final is going to be even more excellent because, again, anything can happen. These are managers which can transform players into like world beers. I think they have that the X factor that, you know, Alex Ferguson made John O'Shea, Darren Fletcher look like world class players, and I think Tottenham and Liverpool have managers that do the same, and they they are like a twelfth man in a sense. So yeah, excellent final. My money's still yeah, in Liverpool, though. I mean, who? Oh, the problem is, is I think I wanted to face Ajax. When you looked at that second half, I just felt that there were gaps in there, and sort of like the pressing, the pressing, and the, the sort of like the counter press that we play. Yeah. I felt would have suited us better against Ajax. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of nervous about this, and um. It's the the sort of like the big issue I have is that we need this. Yeah. Like we need to win this because finishing second on ninety seven points and losing a Champions League final is a real tough to come back from. Yeah. Well, I mean, Klopp but, is a serial second place. He's a serial runner up. And this is it. I mm-hmm. mean, his cup final his cup final record is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we we have to show up. This has to count. Yeah. Um, I think this is now easily the biggest game of our season. Easily, absolutely. Um, absolutely, yeah. And it will be incredibly difficult to swallow if they do beat us. And I think that that's the most nervy thing about it. Um, nice segue there, because uh, we spoke about Liverpool's season. Finishing second with a tally of 97 points, only losing one game and not winning the league. It's, it's kind of hard because I watched the Liverpool game earlier and I was paying a lot of attention to there was obviously loads of shots of the fans throughout the game as the Man City score was coming through and by the end of the game it was nice to see that the fans weren't actually too disheartened because the reality is it's been an incredible season for Liverpool and if you're going to lose to anyone you've lost to an excellent team so there's more to be proud and happy for as a Liverpool fan than maybe to be disappointed about is that fair to say? Definitely definitely I mean if you'd have said to me that we'd got 97 points at the start of the season, I'd have laughed at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
the the thing that I don't that I'm kind of don't I'm confused about. I don't know how to feel about it. Is the the whole bottle job, um, sort of tarnishing that we seem to be getting now. Um, I think that's really harsh. That's very very harsh. Oh, I think that I mean what we've we lost one, we drew seven, and we won thirty. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. Yeah, you bang on. Yes. Yeah. And the, I mean, winning thirty games, I don't know, and sort of finishing on ninety-seven points is. I I struggled to call that bottle jobs. I know we were sort of like we were nine points clear or what have you at Christmas, but I mean teams drop teams do drop points. Yeah, we had twenty we had twenty one clean sheets. That's unbelievable. Like we had you know we had sort of nine wins in a row to finish the season. It's it was a it's worth difficult. wonders for my fantasy football team thanks to Alison Robertson and Van Dyke. <laughs> All those clean sheet bonuses throughout the season. That's it, and I, I, I sort of, I can't sort of, I struggle to stomach the whole that we're bottlers and that we sort of, you know, we deserve to finish second. The t- the table doesn't lie. Like City, City were the better team, but there was I think that there was a, a moment. Where I thought you were going to do it, actually. There was a bit of drama today, because remember, Liverpool scored first, the fans were going wild, and then Man City conceded a goal. I never saw that coming. Your guy, I know you're a big fan, Glenn Murray got the goal, and the Liverpool fans were going nuts. And then instantly, Man City got a goal back, and, you know, they did what Man City do, they punished. Um, But there was that moment. How did, as a Liverpool fan, how did you feel in that moment when you heard... Glenn Murray scored. What well, problem is is so it was immediate elation, but it kind of didn't. I kind of couldn't take it in at the time because I was sort of it was shocked. And before I could take it in, City had equalised. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of really short lived, and I knew that as soon as City equalised, that they were gone to win it because yeah. them conceding first. Gave them that kick up the backside they needed. Yeah. I think if they'd have gone into half time being 1 0 down, I still think they'd have won, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it would have been by the scoreline that it was. Mm. Yeah, fair um, point, man. So, but congratulations to City. They were the better team. Um, They're clinical, they're ruthless. They're depth. one of the best teams, if not the best team in Premier League history. And sometimes you just have to hold your hand up and say, look, you know, we've been beaten by the better team. It is what it is. This is the first season in my lifetime where I feel like just a spectator. It's like a fan of football. Because Man United was just not in the running at all. Like we lost today. I don't even care. (laughs) Look, I, I can't understand where I mean I still United flummox me because I still can't understand what's happening to them like the last two games where you know what I mean if you'd have won both you probably would have got Champions League football um, and they were 
winnable games away at Huddersfield and at home to Cardiff. You and you get a point jobs. from both games. We are the biggest bottle jobs this season, without doubt. Like, I, I, and the thing is, I don't know where you go from here because sort of you, you may have the money to buy players, but a mm. player's going to want to come to you. Um, there's the there's the video on Twitter doing the rounds about fans and Paul Pogba clashing during the uh, during the sort of the lap of appreciation. Oh, really? I didn't even. No, I haven't even watched anything. I just I've almost purposefully avoided acknowledging Man United today. And I think it's, I think it's very. It's, it's just bizarre. I didn't get it. And I think that maybe, may, maybe it's a good thing that the season's ended now, so that you guys can get a better perspective. You can get rid of some of the dead words. Ollie can bring some of his own players in. But I mean, I was hearing rumours today that Ollie could be sacked if you lost to Cardiff. So I don't know where he stands. No, even seeing him in in the post match press conference, he looked a bit teary eyed. He looked like he knew that he's getting sacked in the morning. And I again, like, I, I don't really know where I stand anymore. I'm kind of like out of um, energy with Manchester United. If he gets sacked, I don't think I'll be that disappointed. Um, if he stays, I don't think I'll be that fussed either. It's really hard. We're in such a position that like, I don't really, I don't think anyone really knows what's best for us at the moment. So we'll take anything. <laughs> Do you really think he'll leave? Do you really think he'll get sacked? Well, um, I think that the worry is now that the, the board of directors obviously took him on board because we had that little winning streak and they believed with that winning streak, it looked almost destined that we're going to make it to Champions League. Um now we haven't. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, and they kind of they have to honour that they've took Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on full time. I think the initial idea was we see where we are at the end of the season, and if the board of directors were to wait until the end of the season, like now, we just wouldn't keep Ole on full time, and it would have been fine. It would have been plain sailing. We would have brought in probably not Poch now he's in the Champions League final, but we would have brought in maybe Zidane may have waited. I don't know. Um, but we would be in a better position if we. I, I genuinely think we would have been a bit in a better position now as a club if we weren't so quick to take Ollie on board. But you can understand why the decision was made. You know what I mean? Sort of one of the best running, sort of winning runs in in your history, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And I get, um, I get the whole like ethos of he knows the club, but I think we're at war because. Um, so Ed Woodward, he he wants. He clearly has this like vision of Manchester United being like a Galactico team who buys the like biggest celebrity players. Is like just a celebrity club. Is all about the money. That's never been man. Well, maybe it was at one point, but in my lifetime, in the Alex Ferguson years, that wasn't Man United. That wasn't the ethos of Man United. And Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is supposed to have come in to bring back that same Sir Alex Ferguson ethos, bringing through young players, um, good discipline. You know, club the club being aware of the ethos of the club. Um, so now I think they're at loggerheads because we've still got Edward Wood and now we have Ole and I don't know what's going to happen because Ole said he's not he doesn't want to bring in many players but we're going to have to I don't know man so who, <laughs> so who who 
if Ollie goes, who do you bring in? I, I really don't know, man. Like, I think that the best managers are all already in the Premier League and they're not going to move. We're not going to get Klopp. We're not going to get Guardiola. Um, we're obviously not going to get Poch now. Um, Rui, not Rui Patricio. Um, Nuno Santo. Is it Nuno Santo? Have I forgotten his name? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a decent manager, but is he Man United? I don't know. I think all the all the good managers are taken. And not but what is Man United? Well, I, what is? We're supposed to be a club. Dare I say it? We're supposed to be a club like Liverpool have been this season. A club with passion, a club that never gives up, and you know makes epic comebacks. A, a team of players who you look at and no disrespect to Liverpool, but you look at some of the players and think you're kind of bog standard. But you play out of your skin for that badge, and that makes you an incredible player. You look at players like Andy Robertson, who's been incredible this season. And before the season, no one was suggesting he's the best left back in the world, but look how he's played. Even Henderson performs out of his skin time and time again. James Milner, who's aging, is still playing out of his skin. That's the kind of players we had at Man United, players who you look at and you don't think they're tactically great, but they play out of their skin week in, week out for the badge. We don't have that anymore. We've got a load of players who are somewhat overpaid and you kind of get the feeling you're not really playing for the badge, you're playing for yourself a little bit. Talking of players like Pogba. Um, I think we have a few players that are like last of a dying breed in Rashford, maybe because Rashford's like Mank born and bred. Lingard to some extent, although I don't think he's that great. Lukaku's not that guy. Um, nor is Anthony Martial. I can't think of many players in our squad who have that like Manchester United never say die attitude that we had in the Ferguson years. I mean, yeah, it's it's certainly crazy times. But I think, you know, seeing what you guys do in the transfer window is going to be huge. But I don't want to go on about Man United because, yeah, that's... I've, I've, just, I've, I've just seen a tweet now that says Liverpool were 11 millimetres from winning the Premier League title. Oh, man, <laughs> close. How close was that? Um, but, yeah, so... I mean, yeah, there was, I mean... There was thirty. Was it thirty-three goals? This uh, like today, it's the highest scoring Premier League season when it's been a thirty-eight game season. Really? It, that, yeah, it's madness. It has been like if I look back at it with the stuff that's been happening in Europe as well. It's been one of the most entertaining seasons for me. I think. Definitely. I think like, it's. I think categorically. It's been, yeah, I think. I think it's been incredibly, and I think that's down to teams being good and equally teams being bad. Yeah. Like, like, you know, the top four race was made, you know what I mean? Incredibly fun because the four teams that were going for it, all of a sudden become bad. Yeah. Um, been pretty competitive so from start to finish. Like that's it. And, and how amazing is it to look at it and see that Cardiff were only two points from staying up? Yeah. So, I mean, it it really is crazy and um I loved every second of it. Yeah, definitely. I think we should maybe shout out some of the kind of award winners, I guess you call them, or like, you know, the players that 
golden boot, things like that. So shout out. Interesting. I was really interested by this because I used to be a goal scorer when I was young. Uh, I scored lots of scrappy goals, but goals nonetheless. Um, the golden boot was quite pretty tight, almost as tight as the, the title race. You had at the start of the day, Aguero, I think was on 20. Mohamed Salah is in the front at, on 22, I think. Sadio Mane also yep. had 20. Um, Aubameyang. Uh, did Aubameyang, how many did Aubameyang score today? Uh, Aubameyang was on 20 as well. Oh, wow. So, unlucky Salah. <laughs> really, because I guess at the start of the day, Salah probably thought, yeah, this is my golden boot. And then his teammate, <laughs> Sadio Mane, pops up with the goods. Um, and I think this is the first time I've ever seen like a, a three-way golden boot winner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think they'd done like that. I thought they'd worked out on sort of who played the mo- like who played the least amount of minutes or something like that. So like I thought goals, that's how they would work out. Goals to minutes ratio. In that case, wouldn't uh, Aubameyang be the winner then? He probably would have been. Because, yeah, I feel like he's made a lot of sub-appearances and stuff. He probably would have been. Well, shout um, out to Aubameyang. But yeah, shout, shout yeah. out to Aubameyang. Um, shout out to Alisson for the Golden Glove Award. Oh, of course, yeah. Edison wasn't um, far behind. No, he was one behind. If he would have kept the feet sheet today, they would have been drawing. Yep. Um, there's only one. Uh, it was only Petr Cech, um, who's kept more clean sheets in a season, and he kept 24, I oh, believe. Wow. Oh, well done. Um, so Ass- assists. Uh, I think Eden Hazard was the assist king. But I really want to shout yeah. out Ryan Fraser because Ryan Fraser, especially with Callum Wilson, has been deadly with those assists. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, yeah definitely. Shout look, out to out look out for him in the summer. There's a big move on the cards for him, I reckon. You think so? Where do you see him going? Like, oh, he's been linked with Arsenal quite a lot. I oh, think that I think that he'll that there's potentially a move there. Well, like a replacement for um, Ramsey. Yeah, potentially. Interesting. Yeah, um, it's quite sad to see like there's. Very few Manchester United teams, Manchester United players in these kind of awards. But I'm not going to keep going on about Man United. Shall we do team of the season? I think, yeah, I think a team of the season for us both would be uh, pretty interesting to work out. Okay. Do you want to go first? We'll go with goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, I'll start it off. Um, so I was trying to work out a formation that would fit all of my players in. Yeah. Um, and I've decided to go for a 4-2-3-1. Okay. Um, and, and the goalkeeper I was really struggling with because I think there's two two real standouts. And uh, for me, that was Edison and Allison. Um. Both brought, both made sort of big saves throughout the season. Um, you know, both sort of commanding. Um, and I, I kind of had to choose. I know Allison won the won the Golden Glove, mm-hmm. um, but I've gone with Edison. Um, and I've gone with Edison purely because I think he's the more complete goalkeeper. He can pass a ball as well, which is important in yeah. this day and age. 
And I think that he, as it stands, is a, you know, I think on form, possibly is the best goalkeeper in, in the league. Yeah. Um, so he is just ahead of me, just ahead of Alisson for me. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I am sort of in agreement, but I just want to be controversial. I'm, pro- you know, essentially, I'm probably going to go with Edison. Although I do want to shout out Fabianski. Yeah, think of course. Fabianski's like he's made some important saves this season, and although he's not like very high up there on the the clean sheets list, um, he's been pretty important for West Ham just making saves generally. Um. And he's had to make a lot more saves than, say, Alisson or Edison would because, you know, Alisson and Edison have great defences in front of them. So, yeah, I just want to shout out Fabianski. But ultimately, I think, for me, the best keeper this season has been Edison. For once, it's not De Gea. I need to stop going. For once, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you, you're playing a, what was it? 4-2-3-1. I'm going European. Oh, okay. Okay, well, hit me with your right back. Um... Right back for me was was easy. It's Trent um, coming away with 12, 12 assists in a Premier League season, which is the record for a defender. Um, shows how influential he is going forward. Um, I, you know, there are there is sort of sometimes been a little bit to be desired at the back, but I still think he's going to be an incredible player, and I think this is just a start for him. So yeah, Trent gets my vote. Yeah, I think. Um... I'm mostly in agreement. I, I, I do quite like uh, Kyle Walker just because I think he's got that slight defensive edge over Trent and maybe that's part of maturity. But equally, um, going forward, Trent has been a bit more dangerous with the crosses. Uh, so I'm going to probably give it Trent too. Although Kyle Walker has been good. But now nah, I'm going to give it to Trent Very too. good. Yeah. Hit me with one of your centre-backs. Hit me with the obvious one. <laughs> Americ Laporte. Okay, that wasn't the obvious one, but that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's just just classy, just yeah. a classy defender. Um, he sort of he knows exactly what he wants to do. Um, does it well. Um, has played left back and still done a real good job there. Yeah. Um, breaks up play. Sort of has an eye for a pass. Just. Just a very good defender, and he's still young, so um, sort of shown a lot of maturity. He's only twenty-four, I think. Oh, fair. Yeah, he's very young. Wow. Yeah, great player. He's kind of he kind of came out of nowhere, like kind of City signed him. Was it last summer? And I thought, who's this guy? And yeah, he's um, it young. was uh, last January. Ah, oh, yeah. Not January, just gone to January before. That out of port. Um. Yeah, funnily enough, uh, I was probably going to go to Laporte too, but the other one I was going to go for was um, obviously Virgil van Dijk. Been absolute yeah, yeah. rock solid. All I think we're in agreement with that. I can't think I of one think mistake si- he's made. I don't think since he signed for Liverpool, he's been dribbled past, which is an incredible stat. He's just commanding, he's tall, he's powerful, he's fast. He is the complete package. He's a Rolls Royce of a defender. Absolutely. I think without doubt, I, I do not hesitate in saying he's the best defender in the world, the best centre-back in the world at this current moment. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's hard to disagree. It's it's clear that like he has been the difference for Liverpool in the last couple of years. Yeah, like when Liverpool was struggling to keep clean sheets, and you know you were scoring a lot of goals, but you were conceding a lot of goals. He's come in now, and you have almost won the league. There's just that assurance with him. There's just that calmness, and you sort of, I think you just you just feel with him behind you, you can let loose a little bit more because he's got that ability. And like I said the other week, he doesn't ever seem like he comes out of second gear. Yeah, he doesn't look like he has to work hard. I'd love to see him up against Ronaldo. No, I think he'll win that battle, if I'm honest. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Ronaldo is incredible. Mm. Um, I mean, they were up against each other last year. So um, we're both I can't going remember with, too much about the battle. Just confirm, we're both going with Laporte and Van Dijk. Yeah. Left back, I, th- I feel we're going to agree on as well. It has to be Andy Robertson. Yeah, it has to be. He's the best. He's the best left back in the in the country by for me by a considerable margin. I'll never forget in one of Mourinho's last games at Man United when we lost to Liverpool. He just he made that statement about how dizzy he got watching Robertson run up and down that wing. I hated incredible. it when he said that, but. It's kudos to Robertson, absolutely. So many assists, deadly balls each and every time. Exactly. And I think he just, like I said, ever since he's come now, because that was a weak point for us, and ever since he sort of joined, he, you know, just just a very good, self-assured defender who's very good going forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, Just a heads up, I'm playing a 4-3-3. Or sort of like a four-one-two-three kind of thing. Nice. Okay. Um, who's your? Do you have a defensive, like a deep-lying playmaker, or a defensive midfielder? I've got so so. I was going to do both mine sitting sitting behind the three. Okay. Um. So I was there. One was Bernardo Silva. Okay. Yeah. What um, sitting behind the who, three? Yeah. Okay. Um. As he is just unbelievable. You sort of knew he had the talent, but the hard working aspect of him yeah. has sort of shown that he sort of, you know, loves the nitty gritty. He sort of, he, he's, can, you know what I mean? He's energetic. He can, he can run. He's, you know what I mean? He's got that eye for a pass. He's just, for me, he's just incredible, and I think he's him alongside Raheem Sterling have been their best players this season. Yeah. Um, and then alongside him is Fernandinho. Yep. Um, who is the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League? Um, and without him, I think City would have struggled a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's kind of played because, that role that you know Kante played in the two seasons when Leicester won and Chelsea won the league. He's kind of been that. Yes. I don't think he. I don't think Fernandinho has been as good as Kante was then, but he definitely has played that role of like breaking up play and starting up play in a sense for Man City. Exactly. Yeah. And he's so good. And he's so good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fernandinho's in mind too. He's kind of like the defensive of the three in midfield. Um, and funnily enough, I've actually gone for Bernardo Silva as well. Um, 
who I think throughout the season I kind of took him for granted a lot because he wasn't getting as many goals as like Sterling or even Sane. Um, and when you don't get goals, it's hard to get plaudits. But then, you know, watching City throughout the season and watching him keep out like Mares and you know filling in when um, I don't know David Silva's not about or De Bruyne is not about, and he's just he's got two feet. He's really direct. Super skillful, young, energetic, always looking forwards. Yeah, Bernardo Silva's been excellent. I think think it was that Liverpool game when they played at the Etihad that really sort of set alight everybody's interest in him because he had the game of his life Mm -hmm. in such an important game. He was the guy that picked that ball up and just said, I'm going to run with it. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I've gone for some... Well, my other midfielder, this is a difficult one because it's hard to really, people are not sure if he's a midfielder or not, but I've gone for Eden Hazard just because I think Chelsea have managed to just about get into the Champions League and without Eden Hazard, I don't think Chelsea are are really much of a team. How many times has, has he like literally carried the whole Chelsea on his shoulders? Um, So Eden Hazard just has to be in there for me and I think he, he said farewell today. I think it's it's probably confirmed that he's leaving now um, and we should not take for granted what an incredible servant to the Premier League he has been. Um, yeah. Very few players can carry a whole team on their shoulders. Messi does it for Barcelona on occasion. Ronaldo does it for Juventus on occasion. I can't think of many other players that are willing or capable of carrying a whole team. I agree with every sentiment you said there and that's the reason I'm playing a 4-2-3-1 it's just so I can fit him in behind the striker oh fair enough um, he is incredible his close control his hold up play for a small guy is unbelievable mm-hmm. he has some of the best hold up play I've ever seen yep um, 15 goals and 15 assists this season show that he is easily Chelsea's go-to guy yep um like you said, I think if they do sell him and they don't replace him with sort of anyone that's half decent, because I think they need something a bit more Premier League ready. Yeah. Um, then I think that there's not a chance they're getting Champions League football next season. Well, I mean, they've really um, got to spend upwards of like 150 million to replace someone like Hazard. And that's it. But the problem is, is they're going to get that much. So that needs to be spent as soon as they get it in to get someone in. Yeah. That's going to be, you know what I mean? Anywhere near as good. And going to have, they're going to have a struggle in their hands because I can't even think of anyone off the top of my head that can do what he does. No, nor can I, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, Oh, you're breaking up. Yeah, and I think that he'll bring, um, I think if he goes to Real Madrid, he'll take them up another level, um, which isn't difficult from how they're doing recently. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm incredible Zidane talent. Well. Zidane would be like the greatest mentor for someone like Eden Hazard. Because I think incredible. What, the one thing that Eden Hazard lacks is that like, I, I do question his passion sometimes. Sometimes it does look like he just he enjoys playing football, which is great. But he looks like he's playing in a park a lot. 
and rarely does he look like you know he's really you know like how Ronaldo will cry and almost be like a player manager on the pitch I think that's one thing that Hazard lacks and I think under the guidance of Zidane he can take him to that next level it will certainly be incredibly interesting to see what happens and I think that that probably will be the big transfer of the summer yeah definitely man um, so um, you've gone for a have we said all your midfielders you're playing a 4-2-3-1 right yeah um, so my two wide players okay um, one is Raheem Sterling yep same thing. Um, I think on and off the pitch he's had an incredible season yep um, he's showing that he can be a role model um, and he's just an all round he just seems to be an all round good guy like he gets a lot of bad press. Um, I mean, it's sort of begrudging for me to say it because he's, you know, what I mean, next Liverpool player. Um, but he was one of the differences for City this season. The reason why they've sort of gone on this incredible run, right, um, and arguably time, City's, yeah, and arguably City's most important player. Yeah, just because of how he was able to perform and show up at show up in them pivotal moments. Yeah. Um, incredible. Yeah. Incredible player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I couldn't say any more on that, but yeah, I, I've gone for Sterling as well. Um, I've gone for kind of two strikers and this is quite controversial because I, I don't think they'll be in many people's best 11, but the, f- the first and most controversial one is Raul Jimenez. Um, wow. Just because he's like he's impressed me a hell of a lot this season, um, like as a striker, he's been like just quite tenacious, and he's been as him and Diego Diego Jota as like an attacking force. I think can play above the level they're at at the moment. Chelsea had a bit of a, a strike problem before Higuain kind of came in and started doing his thing, and I kind of thought Jimenez would be a perfect addition to the Chelsea squad I genuinely think you can play at a higher level and if he was at a high level if he was at like a Chelsea um, I reckon he'll be up there in like kind of the top goal scorer top goal scorers ranking I mean, yeah I mean I, I don't really think Higuain's done much mm. at Chelsea and I think that that probably exercises your your thoughts even more I think that he definitely could do a great job at Chelsea and I think that obviously had he not signed for Wolves already on a permanent deal Chelsea probably would be looking at him because yeah. he's had a good start to the sort of Premier League season um, he's always been um, a threat and obviously with big players running off of him it sort of yeah. it works for him well he's got an ability so, to, he works for his goals as well which I think is really important because yeah. I can't. It was for me. It was a bit of a toss up between him and Callum Wilson. But then when I really thought about it, Callum Wilson's like a striker's striker who you know gets in good positions, has people like Ryan Fraser getting balls in for him, and he just finishes off the job. Whereas Jimenez, a lot of the time, starts the job. You know, in a similar way to someone like Firmino, he like kind of presses as an attacker and, you know, wins a few tackles in the opposition's half and stuff. So that's why Jimenez tipped it for me. Okay, that's an out there choice, but I like it. I'm not massively opposed to it. Cool. Um, So 
the other side for me is uh, Sadio Mane. Okay, yeah. Um, you basically gone for the PFA team of the year, I think. I think they're right in a lot of respects. Bar Pogba, I think they're like had Hazard instead of Pogba. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think that with Mane, he he's brought his game to a new level. Yeah, um, he's a game changer now. He's a like, well, he's a game changer performer, but he's a winner now. He's a match winner. Uh-huh. You can sort of rely on him in front of the box where before, and I felt like that was his downfall. Yeah. Um, he has won a lot of games for us. Um, and I think he's been our most influential attacking player. Yeah. Um, which is no mean feat when you consider that, you know, you've got Firmino and Salah and the damage that they've done over the season. Yeah. Um, and I think that with him, he is improving leaps and bounds and it's shown this season. And I think that he'll, he'll continue to grow and they'll continue to strive. Um, which is obviously going to be a massive plus for Liverpool. Yeah, he's an interesting one. Um, this is another controversial one because I didn't, I didn't put Mane in. I've, I've gone for Bamiang. Just because okay. when I look at it, I kind of think you need like a, just a goal scorer, and there isn't much better goal scorer than Bamiang. Like he's finished as the Golden Boot winner with a team that hasn't. You know, he doesn't play for City or Liverpool. And it's easy to take for granted how many goals he gets. I just think, yeah, you just need like an out-and-out goal scorer in your team somewhere. And it could have been Aguero. It could have been Salah, Mane. But I've just gone for the controversial one, considering like the level of club he's at. No disrespect to Arsenal, but it's a, it's a harder task to finish golden boot winner when you're playing for the fifth best team in the league and not the first or second. I I completely agree with what you're saying and I think that there's no mean feat that he's managed to do that. Yeah. Um, I think that he has... I've not picked him and I think I've not picked him because um, I think there's sometimes where he's flattered to deceive um, and it sort of... I think that's sort of put the the sort of mocks on it a little bit for me. I'm sort of just a little bit unsure. Yep. Um, not on his quality, but on his consistency to finish. Yeah. Um, there's sometimes I think he misses big chances, and um, and as as I see it, the one player that whenever he's in front of goal, you know it's going to be a goal mm-hmm. is uh, is Aguero. Okay. And I think that with. I just think he's incredible. I just think that he's such a good finisher and, you know, the confidence everyone in his team has in him sort of, it's almost, you know, as far as Aguero is concerned, it's almost like you could sort of put a chance on a plate for him and everyone's turning to walk back to the centre circle. He just brings a, just, an air of confidence and he finished on, I know he didn't win the golden boot, but he finished a goal behind. Um, he was pivotal to City success. He's been pivotal to City success for multiple years now. He's one of the best strikers the Premier League's ever seen. Fifth season in a row he's, that he's got 20 plus goals in the Premier League. 
Exactly. It's incredible. And he has, he's reinvented his game. He's not just that striker that stays up top now. He works hard. He tracks back. You know what I mean? He, he plays for the team. And I think that because he's reinvented himself this season and sort of still doing incredible things, I couldn't miss him out. Fair, man. These look like two good squads. Um, Just to finish this off, Dan, because it's the end of the season, do you have like a favourite moment of the entire season? <sighs> a favourite moment of the entire season? Are we talking just Premier League or are we talking... Uh, let's go Premier League so the Premier League season is finished now favourite moment um, being being a Liverpool fan and biased I think the Origi goal against Everton oh that was so jammy the one where it like Pickford kind of kept it in yes exactly yeah, that that was so and I think cheeky. that he was it was incredible. I think just everything about it, you know, when it was 96th minute at the cop end, just what more could you ask for? Fair man. I think uh, my favourite moment would be going to United, going to Old Trafford, um, just at the turn of the new year, so it's the 30th of December, we beat Bournemouth 4-1, absolutely dominated the game um, and as a Man United fan, you just felt like a, a wave of hope, a wave of change after the kind of dismal start of the season with Mourinho. Fans were singing Ollie's name. There was Norway flags all over the stadium. And it's actually the only United game I've been to this season. I'm going to try and get to more next season. So that's got to be a highlight for me. And I think that's the perfect way to end yep. the podcast. Um, this isn't going to be the last one, which no, is good. Is. You know, we're going to do... We're going to do a Champions League special. We've got an FA Cup final next weekend as well. And an FA Cup final. So we're looking forward to that. And I think that it's... um, I'm already looking forward to the next season. Have a good evening, sir. And you. Thanks everyone for listening. Nice one, guys. Bye. (laughs)